Amen. Amen. And God bless you all for being here this morning. I want to ask Lisa to come and join me for just a, just a second here on the platform. This is Lisa Lopez, and Lisa has been a part of our worship team for the last several months, and we bless you and greet you. I just wanted to, wanted to say this about her, and then I want us to pray. Um, the Lord has used Lisa for a good many years in lots and lots of different settings and places. And she has joined our worship family, our worship team, as one of our worship shepherds, one of our worship pastors. She and Rick Alvarez um, work together under the leadership of our executive pastor, Jerry Smith. And they weekly pray, ask the Lord for direction as to the song selection. But I can tell you that their heart is that, that when we're singing, when music is being played, that it goes beyond just the sound of the music, music and hitting the notes right and getting the, the diction correct, but that, Lord, you inhabit the praises of your people. That's what he says, that he sits enthroned upon shouts of praise. And from the very beginning of the Alamo City Church, 32, three years ago, we, we had determined that there would always be time for us to spend in the presence of the Lord, worshiping Him. And if we got to the preaching, great. But if we never got to the preaching, we would not have wasted our time by spending that time just loving Jesus and, and wanting his, his heart to be blessed by what happens here in this place. And Lisa's heart is that heart. And I just... I want you to, Alamo City family, just to open wide your arms and receive Lisa in as a parent. I know you have, but I just want to officially today be able to say that and want to pray for her. Here's, here's why I feel like that's so important. God is doing something in our country. In our, the, the devil is working overtime, but God is doing something in our country. And I believe that that the days of revival, the days of a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God upon our nation are at hand. Not just that he's able to do it, that he might do it, that he could do it, but that it is at hand. It is at hand. And remember this, folks. There has never, ever been a movement of the Spirit of God in the church of the Lord Jesus without there being worship without there being music, without there being folks with their hands raised and, and sometimes dancing and sometimes just walking and clapping, sometimes just by yourself, but in that place of worship. Worship, worship is the atmosphere of heaven. Worship is the atmosphere. If you, if, if you get tired of worship down here, heaven is going to be a long road for you, I'm telling you, because that's the, that is the sound and the and the. Those are the shouts and those are the joyful expressions of where we're going to be spending eternity. So we, we want to just be getting ready for that up there, but, but we also want to be in partnership with what the Spirit of the Lord wants to do here in our country. And my prayer is that from Alamo City, with Lisa giving leadership and Rick and Brother Jerry giving leadership to this, that there will just be an eruption of fresh, powerful, Jesus-centered worship that will flow from here and that it will it'll spill over into the other brothers and sisters in in the Alamo city in San Antonio and around I'd just love to see this place just packed out sometime Lisa with folks from all different congregations we'll go to, we'll go to their place or we'll meet in the streets, or we'll meet in the park, or we'll meet somewhere, and we're, just, we're not worried about what denomination or what part of town or what ethnicity. We're just, the common bond is Jesus. The common denominator is Jesus. And we're just out loud, unashamedly loving him and singing his praises. Amen. Amen. That, that's our dream. And, and that's why Lisa is a part of the team, is one of our worship pastors. So will you, I want to ask you, if you're, those of you who are here in the room this morning, would you just extend your hand, one of your hands out this direction as we pray for her? And those of you watching and our, our wonderful streaming family, you, you, would you just do the same if you're led to, just, just point one hand in this direction. We want to speak blessing and speak the favor of the Lord upon Lisa. Lord, thank you for these days of our lives. Thank you for 
for bringing Lisa into our lives. Thank you that we are connected by your spirit, all of us, by your spirit through the love of Jesus. And Lord, whatever you're doing, whatever you're about to do, about to break through upon our nation and even around our world in fresh revival outpouring, fresh movement of the Spirit of God, Lord, we ask you not to let us miss it here at Alamo City. Lord, let us be in step with your heart. Let us be hearing your, give Lisa ears to hear and Rick ears to hear and, and all of our team, Brother Jerry, ears to hear what we need to be singing that would be blowing that trumpet in Zion, that would be the shouts of praise upon which, Lord, you would be seated enthroned on that given day. Lord, we, we, just, we just love to worship. We, some of us, some of us and this is me, can't carry a tune in a bucket. We just love to be under the covering of those who can, and they can lead us. And Lord, bless with a fresh anointing, I pray, our sister and our dear friend in Jesus and the rest of our wonderful team of worship leaders, worship warriors, worship shepherds, we give you praise and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for praying with us and praying for us. And just want to say again to all of you, to all of you, both here in the room and in our streaming family, thank you for prayerfully supporting what the Lord is doing here at Alamo City and through, through Alamo City. But thank you for your financial support and help as well. We just you know, we just could not do to the degree that we're able to do some things in the work of the Lord without your help. And, and it, 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 the, the, amount, the amount is not nearly as important as the sense of what's going on in your heart when we obey those promptings of the spirits. God's not going broke. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have to have our money, but he invites us to participate in his ministry of mercy and blessing locally around the world. And then it just, it's just amazing how as we give, he gives in return. And that's how we keep that gate open and, and the doors open, the wonders of heaven open. So bless you. Thank you for, for doing what you do. We know that we are going to places in this world that we would not be able to get to unless there were financial means to help us get there. We're still feeding the poor here in San Antonio. We're, we're doing things that we've done for all these years, and, and it just doesn't make any sense that we're still able to do those things in, in a season where every seems like everything has been shut back. People hesitant to come, though doors are opening up a little wider here in, in the great state of Texas for us to convene and congregate and so forth. We're grateful for that. But it, it has only been by the grace of the Lord that we've been able to continue to do the things that we're doing. So bless you and thank you for your obedience to the prompting of the Spirit in your heart. Now, folks, this morning we're coming to a section in our 40-day specific prayer season where we're drawing circles around people and needs and, and situations, and specifically the focus today is on our nation on our nation. Those of you who know me and those of you who have been part of Alamo City for, for a good while realize that, that there are things, and I've, I've never tried to make public pulpit statements about the politics of the nation because we have such a, such a vast array of folks who are part of the Alamo City family. I've tried to make sure that what we're saying is, is, is as best we can tell from the Word of God, the heart of the Lord, and not, not trying to make the main issue a people or a party or a person, but that our eyes would be kept on Jesus. And, and that, is, that is the intent today. I, I, want you to, I want you to know that. Please hear that in the beginning. There's, there's not going to be any attempt here as we talk about praying for our nation to let this be a, a, you know, a public opinion forum. You, you can get all kinds of different perspectives from lots of different places out there today. So, but that's not what we're about. I feel like the Lord has just said one thing to my heart, and I want to be obedient to it. And here's what I feel like he's said to me. Preach Jesus. You preach Jesus. You preach Jesus. 
So we're going to be going to several different places in the scripture this morning, but the, the whole point of this is to be lifting up Jesus, who he is, what he can do, what he has done, and what he will do. Amen. I want you to find your place and your copy of the scripture, Second um, Chronicles chapter 7. And we'll start reading at verse 11. Please, Jesus, heal our land. That's where we are in our 40-day prayer coming to today. Please, Jesus, heal our land, the land in which we live, our nation. This is a remarkable passage of Scripture, it's one that the church throughout the centuries come back to it time and time again. Let's start in verse 11, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's palace and successfully completed all that he had planned on doing in the house of the Lord and in his palace. Verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of prayer, house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, Or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be be there perpetually. My eyes, the Lord says, and my heart shall be there perpetually. Well, Houston, we got a problem. There is no temple in Jerusalem. There is no established holy of holies on the earth where between the wings of the cherubim atop the mercy seat, the presence of the Lord was to be known. So how can there be a sense that this verse spoken to Solomon all of those years ago, prior to the destruction of the temple, the carrying away of its instruments, the Ark of the Covenant hidden somewhere by Nebuchadnezzar years later, how can we know, hang on now, hang on, how can we know that there is still teeth to this promise. There is still merit to these words. Fast forward. Land in the book of Corinthians. Paul's writings. He says, you need to understand (laughs) that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That it is Christ in you as a Christian, that is your hope of glory. The glory of the presence of the Lord God Almighty, who spoke to Moses, they would say face to face, that glory of the Lord, that Shekinah glory that would light up that completely dark, most holy place. The only way the high priest once a year could see what he was doing 
was from the glow of the glory of the Lord between the wings of the cherubim atop the mercy seat on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. That glory, that spirit of glory, is exactly who Paul is talking about when he says, it is Christ in you, your hope of glory. It is in your body. It is inside you as a child of God, as a receiver of Jesus, where the Spirit of the Lord now dwells. You get to looking for where is God on the earth? Where is the Spirit of the Lord to be found anywhere similar to what was known in Solomon's day? You have no farther to look than inside your spirit. That's why Paul would say, that's why Christians, you need to know that you're honoring the Lord with your body because it is inside your physical body that His Spirit dwells. Therefore, honor the Lord with your body, what you eat, how you behave, what you, and all of those things, because it is the spirit of the living God who dwelt in Solomon's temple and to whom these promises were made. And when this, this statement that the Lord makes, and my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually, he's talking about you. Can somebody say amen? Are y'all asleep in here this morning? Help the preacher. Help the preacher. All right? Help the preacher. It'll get better. It may get longer, but it'll get better. All right? Maybe if it's too quiet, I feel like I got to go longer to wake folks up. So help me there. But when he says, my eyes, Jesus, the Lord is talking. My eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Who, who was this that, had a, that was appearing to Solomon at night? You remember that story? When old Joshua was outside the battlefield of Jericho by himself, and he looked across the way and he sees a man standing there with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua, the commander of the armies of Israel, realizing that we can't even begin to move into Canaan unless Jericho is taken down. Massive walls. You know all that story. Who are you? He cries out to the man. Are you for us or for our adversaries? And the man with the sword in his hand said, that's not basically, that's not the right question. I'm not here to take sides I'm here to take charge. Get your feet off and put your face on the ground. And Joshua responded, Lord, tell me what to do. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who met Joshua outside the walls of Jericho and gave him the battle plan as impossible and as unreal as it was. And Joshua followed the plan. The battle was won, and the story is recorded. That same kind of pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus the Christ, I believe, is found here in 2 Chronicles 7.14. That was the Lord Jesus Christ before he emptied himself and became a baby. He wasn't always a baby. He was God before he was a baby. That's what makes his, 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 his emptying of himself such a magnificent thing. That we didn't, when he didn't have to give up anything, when he could have stayed God all by himself from eternity past to eternity future, he saw you and he saw me and he knew we would need a savior. We would need a rescuer from our junk, from our bondage, from our sin, from our hurts and our shame. And he stripped himself of all of that privilege and all of that priority, all of the things that he had as the king of the universe, as the commander of the armies of heaven, the Lord God of hosts, his name. He emptied himself and became a baby born of Mary. And you know the rest of the story. Only to be after he was raised from the dead, 
taken back up and seated at the right hand of the Father, reclothed with every ounce of authority and power that he had before he became a baby. It's this Jesus. It's this Jesus saying, my eyes and my heart shall be perpetually upon this place of prayer. Where now is that place of prayer? Your spirit. With his spirit inside your very body. Now if it says, and it does, that he's going to heal our land, he will heal our land. If we as his people, will humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways and pray, he would heal our land. For, for him to heal, for him to heal means three things, at least three. Number one, if he's going to heal a sickness, He's got to be able to see the sickness, to locate the sickness. Secondly, he's got to be able to defeat the sickness. And then thirdly, he's got to be able to restore to full health. All right? If he's going to heal our land, and he calls us to pray for the healing of our land, then we need to know that he knows where we're sick. I want you to find Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. Hold your place in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 7. Find your way, if you would. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Let me go ahead and start reading the main target is verse 13. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Look at verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The old King James translation puts the word naked or naked in there. Before the eyes of him with whom we have to do, we don't have a stitch of clothing on. There's no part of us inside or out that he doesn't see. Naked, open, laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That the, the, a, a more complete translation would be before the eyes of him before whom we will answer. That we will give an account for. It, it, it's saying that there is no word in the United States of America. There is no action in the United States of America. There is no thought in this nation that is not completely, fully laid bare and naked before him. We don't have to inform the Lord Jesus of what's going on or what has happened or what is being done. He sees everything. He knows everything. Now, the, the good part of that is he sees and knows the hidden places even of our hearts that maybe no one else knows, that no one else may give you credit for. But in your heart of hearts, even though you're not perfect, there is a lover of Jesus alive inside your chest. He sees that. He knows that. Nothing is lost to him. 
So where there's going to need to be a healing, we need to be confident that the Lord is able to see where the sickness is. There's a difference between roots of a sickness and fruits of a sickness. Difference between a root and a fruit. When he lists these things in 2 Chronicles 7 about pestilence or about locusts or about drought, those are the fruit. Those are the results that have come from a root. What is the root? What is the root that has caused there to be these necessary manifestations from the Lord's sense of judgment or discipline? The root, the root that was being warned against and spoken to even then, and the root in the United States of America today is the root of a heart, hearts that have gone away from God, have walked away from Him. March the 30th, 1863, Abraham Lincoln, in the thick of the worst calamity that the young United States of America had ever known. And as we look back on it, in terms of loss of life, nearly 600,000 dead in the Civil War over the issue of slavery. Not states' rights, slavery, pure and simple. God had had enough of it in this country. And in a tragedy beyond any description, it was dealt with. But now look, let me read some of Lincoln, Mr. Lincoln's statements from that Call to prayer, a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer, March the 30th, 1863. This will be familiar to a number of you, but just parts. As it ties directly in, you'll be able to see that it's coming from his, his, his text for the writing of this was 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men, to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. We have been recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven in the United States, he's speaking. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us and we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, intoxicated with unbroken success, intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Not everybody in the United States of America at that time 
repented. Not everybody saw the error of the ways. Not everybody was concerned about the offended power being at odds with them. But there were people in this country, in that darkest of a midnight nationally, who took seriously, who took personally. Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, Lord, I'm one of your people. Jesus' blood bought my soul. Heaven is my home, not for my merit, but because of what you have done for me. I'm a Jesus man. I'm a Jesus woman. I'm a Jesus American. And I humble myself before you. And I ask you to expose my heart of arrogance, of judgment, of racial pride and arrogance, whatever it would be, I ask you to expose my heart, Lord, that I may confess that sin, my sin, so that you will hear me when I ask you to heal this land. You know what? It was an awful season in the life of our nation. But you and I are here today under one banner of the United States of America as evidence, as living proof that God answered 2 Chronicles 7.14 prayer. If he has done it before, he will do it again. He will do it. Again, the root, the root of the sin, the root of, of our sickness is a heart that turns away from God, that somehow thinks I'm a self-made man, a self-made woman, that Americans are just, they're just great because they are innately great. Wrong! We are blessed because he has blessed us. All he has to do, he doesn't have to sin judgment. He doesn't have to do anything. All he would have to do is just lift his hand of protection off of the nation. He sees. He sees our sickness. He sees our sowing. Galatians 6. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows or a woman sows, that and that only is what they'll reap. It's not rocket science. You stick a tomato plant seed in the ground and that's what's going to come up. You can't expect plums. You can't expect apples. You can't expect bananas. What we plant in the ground of our lives and in the lives of other people, God will not be mocked. What we sow, we're going to reap. Now, thank you, Jesus. The wages of sin is death. We sow, we sow sin and we get death in various forms back. But, Romans 5, 8, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I can choose death or I can choose life. I choose death living it my own way into hell with God and what he would want. Death. Or I can choose life. Life is Jesus. Life is Jesus. Life is Jesus. Life is Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life, he says. A dimension of living that you never get apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, but I can think I'm socially alive. I'm biologically alive, absolutely. But there was another dimension of living that Jesus says only comes 
when I'm alive in your heart. See that, have seen that over the years. Alamo City again and again and again and again and again and again. Folks show up in these halls and in these pews and before Jesus, death on wheels, poison coming out of their mouths, death a result of their actions and choices and so forth. The only change, their shoe size didn't change, their eye color didn't change, the only change was that somebody knocked on the door of his heart, of their hearts. And they heard that knocking, and it was Jesus saying, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart, and I'm knocking. I won't knock it down with a D8 caterpillar. Doorknobs on the inside. But you open wide the door of your heart. You invite me to come in, and you welcome me in, and you watch what I will do in your life. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I've seen it over the years. Hundreds, thousands of folks bound, captured of all kinds of things. And Jesus, the real Jesus, not just the name of the person, but the presence of the real one moves into their hearts and sets those captives free from shame, free from habits, free from stuff that owned them and they couldn't be free of. No matter how much money they may have had in the bank, no matter how many degrees they may have had, no matter what their family last name might have been, still bound, still ashamed, still hooked. And then that knock came. And Jesus, Jesus, the one who knows where the root is, and you come and deal with the root. And we open our hearts up to him to set us free at the root of where our wrong has been. That heart that just wants to turn away, that just thinks I can do it on my own. That's the root problem. That's where this thing called repentance takes reality. It means that my mind changes. I'm coming to a different conclusion that I don't want to live my life without God. My choice is I want to live with him in here. I'm embracing the Christ. I'm embracing the life that is in him. Amen. He sees, he sees the sickness. He knows whatever it may be in your life. He sees it. You don't have to make an appointment with him and go and sit down for an hour and you tell him stuff he didn't already know. He knows it. And still he loves you. And still he's on your trail. And still he wants you and me to know that there is nothing impossible with God. There's nothing impossible. So if he's going to heal our land, he's got to see our sickness. And he does. But the second part is, if he's going to heal our land, he must be able to defeat that sickness. He must be able to defeat that. What's our sickness? An unrepentant heart. A heart that turns away. It results in all of these fruits. But the root of it is I'm trying to do it my way. God, take a hike. I'll check in with you when I need something. But I'm going to live my life the way I'm going to live my life and to hell with you. We don't use those words, but in effect, that's what we're saying. But he needs to be able to defeat that kind of arrogant sickness. Or that kind of broken sickness. How does he do it? How does he defeat the sickness of an unrepentant heart? I want you to know that's in your Bible. There, there is a, there's an amazing, so encouraging, little short statement in the, in the book of Romans. 
and it's, um, it's Romans chapter 2. And I, I want you to find this, and I want you to know it's an underline it, mark it, however you can, you, you can keep a, a record of it, at least in your memory. Because we, th- this, is, this is one of the ways of God. One of the ways that he works, and it's not going to be changed. Paul writes, Romans 2 verse 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? If the problem inside me is an unrepentant heart, I don't want to go the way of God. I want to do it my way. How is the Lord going to war against that? His ways, Isaiah 55, are infinitely higher than our ways, beyond anything we could think. And you know how he wars, how his preferred weapon of war (laughs) against an unrepentant heart, you know what it is? Kindness. Patience. You, I, I just love that story about old Simon Peter. He had had he he had been to church evidently on the day or the, in the in the synagogue there in Capernaum the day that that Jesus showed up and cast the devil out of the man in in the church house. Well, some way or another, Jesus got invited to Simon Peter's house. Not sure that Simon Peter. We get the idea that. As soon as Simon Peter saw Jesus, he just went running after Jesus. No, he didn't. When, when Jesus went to Peter and Andrew and said, follow me, see of Galilee, and they left their boats, there's a backstory to that. They left and followed, but prior to that, Jesus ends up spending a whole blooming evening Evidently in Simon Peter's backyard or front yard, and people by the droves were coming with their sick babies and their sick family, family members, friends. And he watched Jesus one by one lay his hand on every one of those who came sick, and every last one of them got up well in Simon Peter's backyard. As awesome as that was, as close to home as that was, that wasn't enough to win Peter to to Jesus. It it was as if he was somehow thinking, well, that's good for them. Man, they needed to get well. They they, they need religion. They they need a little church. They need some Jesus. But I got a business to run. I, I run a fishing business. I got a family to feed. So a few days passed, don't know how long. Jesus has finished speaking to a whole bunch of people on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He picked the spot, Jesus did evidently, so it would be within earshot of Peter and Andrew. They'd been fishing, pulling their boats up on the bank, washing their nets, Ending one day, getting ready for another day, and Jesus is in the background over here talking. They knew Jesus. He knew what Jesus was able to do, but Jesus hadn't done anything for him yet until Jesus finished talking, and he turned to Simon Peter, and he said, you caught any fish? The gist of that was we fished all night, master, teacher. We hadn't caught a minnow. Jesus said, if you will push off out there one more time, and you'll drop your nets in the deep one more time, you'll have a catch. Simon Peter having had the history of what he knew Jesus could do, 
But nothing that Jesus had done up to that point got to him. But he said, yes, sir, okay, since you said. And they pushed off out into that water, lowered their nets. And the catch was so great, it felt to them like it was going to sink their boat. It was at that moment that Simon Peter turned to Jesus and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Repentance, repentance, a change in his attitude about who Jesus was happened as a direct result of Jesus blessing his socks off. In a way that he, the fisherman, the business owner, could understand. We draw too tight a circle to think that the only way God can get the attention of hard heads and stubborn people and full of themselves individuals is for the Lord just to whack them good with a two before right upside the head. When the preferred instrument is the kindness of the Lord. The kindness of the, for Simon Peter, when that happened to him, for his response to be, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man, meaning I don't deserve this. I don't deserve what you've just done for me. I feel ashamed, guilty for what has just happened to me, which used the spirit of the Lord used to bring him to Jesus. That continues to be the heart of the Lord. The kindness of the Lord, blessing, protection, open doors, favor, prosperity, prevention, all of those things that come from him. But as Lincoln says, we somehow devolve into that place of thinking that it's all because of how virtuous we are. The root is a heart that has forgotten God, a heart that has gone away from God. But when the one, the healer, when the healer gets ready to heal, it may not be that he slaps somebody down and he sends them to the dungeon. He just starts blessing them. Or maybe all of a sudden, one who's needing that place of repentance, that change of heart, they begin to realize, wait a minute, I don't deserve this. I've heard that so many times. God won my heart by showing me the blessings of a wife who loved me, the blessings of children, the blessings of the ability to work, the ability to to, to favor with people. My eyes got opened and I began to realize that was the Lord blessing me and he is using that to draw me to him. But if that doesn't work, if, that, if, that, if we're oblivious to the blessings of the Lord, I want you to find Jeremiah 25, and I just want to reference this. You'll know it's here. Jeremiah 25, one of the great prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, along with others. So much of what they were called to do was to represent the Lord and the heart of the Lord to a nation that God had founded, God had established for himself, for his own glory, to bless his own people. But the people were repeatedly straying, repeatedly getting sucked into trying to worship every other God under the sun. And the God who had blessed them pushed in the background and they keep trying to find some local cheap thrill. When the Lord had said, you'll have no other gods before me. I want to bless you. I want you to stay in the land forever. I, I, want, I want the rains of heaven to provide everything you're going to need to be abundant in your crops and your agriculture. But if you turn away, then in order to bring you back, I can cause the heavens to no longer rain. I can cause locusts, allow locusts to come in and destroy your crops. I I can lift my protection against the diseases of those people around you. It's not what I want. 
but I love you too much not to try to win you back. So the goodness and kindness of the Lord, that's, that's his first option. Here's his second. Verse 3, Jeremiah 25. From the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even to this day, these 23 years, the word of the Lord has come to me. This is Jeremiah speaking. And I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. And the Lord has sent to you all his prophets, all his servants, the prophets, again and again, but you've not listened and inclined your ear to hear. The prophets were saying, turn now everyone from his evil way and from the evil of your deeds and dwell on the land which the Lord has given to you and your forefathers forever and ever. The Lord said, I want you to stay in that land forever and ever and do not go after other gods to serve them and to worship them and do not provoke me to anger with the work of your hands and I will do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, in order that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, declares the Lord, and I will send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land, against the inhabitants, and against all these nations around about, and I will utterly destroy them and make them a horror and a hissing and an everlasting desolation. More I will take away, I will take from them the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstone and the light of the lamp. And this whole land shall be a desolation and a horror, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Decades after decades, the Lord sending his prophets to call his people back to him. The kindness of the Lord, he says it here and he repeats it again and again and again as the prophets were pronouncing judgment. It doesn't have to end this way for you. It doesn't have to go this way for you. God's heart is to fulfill every word of blessing, every promise of blessing that ever came out of his mouth. But you are doing this to yourself. Wake up. Tune in. Humble yourself and return to the Lord who gave you that borrowed body to live in who has given you borrowed air to breathe, who has given you a borrowed brain to be able to think and to do. There is no such thing as a self-made man or woman. And to prove it, all the Lord has to do is not to send judgment from some place that, that he initiated. It's just that he, he lifts his protection. And all that is around us that he in his mercy keeps from destroying us, attacking us, finds us as open prey when it doesn't have to be that way. Now, I want you to leave that in Jeremiah and go with me to Luke. This is important. Got to, got to round this out, finish this out so, you, so you're hearing it the way the Lord would want us, I believe, to remember it. This is in Luke. Luke chapter 16. No, excuse me. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 41. Will you find this? Luke 19, 41. We are now in the time of Jesus. We are now during the days 
when God took on a human form and he walked among men and he spoke in language that we could understand and he represented the heart of the invisible God. Look at verse 11, Luke 19, verse 11. And when he approached, when Jesus approached, he saw the city, Jerusalem. He saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days shall come upon you when your enemies will throw up a bank before you and surround you and hem you in on every side and will level you to the ground and your children within you and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Forty years later, in 70 AD, Titus, the Roman emperor, specifically fulfilled this prophecy of Jesus. But do you see, he did not gleefully announce this regarding Israel. Verse 13, and when he approached, he saw the city and he wept over it. And that last phrase, and you did not recognize the time of your visitation. The word for visitation does not mean making an appointment and someone comes and that person leaves. It means this. It's the word that means overseer. It's the word that means Someone to look after. Someone to care for. I came to you. I came to you speaking peace and the ways to peace. And the result would be they would crucify him. But he was saying this was your opportunity to let me cover you. This was your opportunity to let me shepherd you. As the Lord was speaking that to Jerusalem, American Christian, the Lord is speaking that to the United States of America today, that we dare not miss this season of his visitation, wanting to shepherd. But you see, a hard heart, an unrepentant heart, chooses its own way, chooses to mock God, mock Jesus Christ in his name, in his word, in his character, in what he represents, results in only one thing, that those in that place are missing the day of his visitation where he wants to shepherd, he wants to cover, he wants to heal, he wants to bring restoration. I believe, folks, that's where we are. And I believe that's why this isn't an option, this isn't a luxury for the American Christian right now. This is a necessity that we take literally and personally Number one, that we believe it's God's heart to heal our land. It's not God's heart for there to have to be another war of any kind or destruction, devastation of any kind. His heart is for there to be a restoration of an open heaven and the free flow of the goodness of God. But make no mistake about it. God will one way or the other root out the sickness so that the healing can come. Be it be the goodness and kindness of God, or be it be some more, may it be some 
other severe measure of his expression. But as we pray, Lord, heal our land, it's one of two. I pray. Y'all got time for just five more minutes. You got to, you got to, I know you all out there and turn the TV off and these folks are kind of stuck in here. <laughs> I want you to find, we're going to end with this, I promise. Ezekiel 37. It's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. I can't hardly get through it without two things, squalling my eyes out and shouting my lungs out. Find it, if you would, Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. It's a vision, a dream. The Spirit of the Lord worked that way with Ezekiel often. He takes him in the vision out, puts him down in the middle of a valley. And the valley was full of bones. And he caused me to pass among them round about. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said to me, prophesy, preach over these bones and say to them, O dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, let me give you just a brief point of interpreter. This, this is symbolic of Israel. This is symbolic of what happened eventually to Israel. It does not include the remnant, the small remnant, the Daniel, Meshach, and Abednego, Shadrach, Meshach, that group. But the nation as a whole had been utterly destroyed. The corpses had decayed to the point that the bones were separating from the corpses. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus said the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. And I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone, knee bone connected to the. You remember? It's where that song came from. And I looked. And behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, come, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their ground an exceedingly great army. Not even death can stop the commitment of the Lord to finish what he started with his people. There may be varying degrees, more serious levels of his showing us what our choices have brought to us. But he's never, ever stops preferring, desiring, longing for the day when his kindness 
can be fully expressed in our lives, that he would restore us to full health. What causes the sickness has to be dealt with. He knows where it is. He prefers a change of heart because of the kindness and the patience and the mercy. But where that fails, where that fails, he has other tools. But the end result is that even if it's a valley full of dead, dry bones, he has the power to put the bones back together, to cause flesh to return and cause that body of corpses to stand on their feet in exceedingly great army. The fulfillment of that, many think, 1948, Israel was reestablished in its own land as a nation, and it had been scattered to the far corners of the earth. No one ever gave them a hope that they would ever have their own land again, but yes, they do have their own land. And if he has done it with Israel, made with a covenant established by the blood of animals, how much more secure, how much stronger, how much greater is his covenant with you established by his own blood? That's where we're going to stand. That's where we're going to stand. Lord, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for the hope that is in Jesus, the freedom that is in Jesus, the abundance that is in Jesus, the life that is in Jesus. Lord, we pray for our country. We pray for the United States of America, that you will bring us to our knees, Lord, but we, we, we pray that you, you would do it by opening our eyes to your great mercy, your great abundance, that it has come from you, not from ourselves. And Lord, as the prophet prayed in your wrath, Lord, remember mercy. Remember mercy. Pour out your spirit upon this land. Thank you for the places where revival fires are burning around this land. We pray for that to just explode all over. Lord, let not San Antonio be missed, we pray. And our Alamo City streaming family, wherever the dear brothers and sisters are. In the name that is above every other name. Now, church, I want you to say his name with me. In the name that is above every other name, the name Jesus. The name Jesus. The name Jesus. We pray. Amen. 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 If there is something that we can pray with you about, seek the Lord's will for in your life. Pastor Walker, AlamoCity.org, we'll get it. And our intercessors, we were right on it right on it. You can even send us some of those on Facebook right now as you're watching. We just, we love to see Jesus win, you know. We love to see Jesus win. That's why we love to pray and we'd love to be partners with you. Lisa, if you'll help us as we, as we close, God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Walker. Thank you.